On this episode of the Press Rewind Prince Lyrics Podcast, we ask the listeners, who do you trust? And joining me on this episode for Batman Soundtrack's Trust is Roy Turner. Welcome back to the show, Roy. Thank you, my friend. And and, and you might want to say we welcome back the iHeartRadio's host of Prince the Encores, <laughs> Roy Turner. Yeah, that guy. That guy. <laughs> he's here. Hey, he's here on the show right now. And and they know it. I mean, again, like I said, I don't have to even say it. they just hear my voice and they kind of go, Oh yeah, we love that guy. <laughs> we do love you, Roy. Thank so you. Thanks again for joining me. This is the Batman era now. You know, we last collaborated on a sign of the times track. We did it. That was the last song we did last wow. year. Uh so now fast forward a couple of years, it's nineteen eighty-nine. You and I are about the same age. We've established this through our previous communications. So you're, you know, early teenager around this time. Fifteen, yeah. So what, like, what were your thoughts on the Batman project when it came out? Like, um, do you have a story around the Batman soundtrack? Like I how do. you I, how I, you got I, it? Listen to it. What were your thoughts? I'd like to hear it. Okay. Well, here here's what what and I'm trying to establish this a little bit before is that. It's unbelievable that my what I call my first round of prints was from 82 to 86. So 82, 86, that's ages 8 to 12. I know that's very young, but and I probably shouldn't have been listening to, you know, 1999 and, and, and seeing an R-rated movie, uh, but a different time. And, and, mm-hmm. and it was all my sister's influence. I didn't come into Prince on, really on my own. Until Sign of the Times, which, by the way, I did not hear until 1992. So that, that that's an important thing to establish is that after we moved in 87. So 87 was a very pivotal year for me. I had new friends, new environment, new taste, everything. So I kind of forgot about Prince for a little while. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I didn't hear Love Sexy. I didn't hear Sign of the Times until high school, until, again, to the early 90s. Now, when the Batman thing came on the radar, and this is where we'll get to that, uh, one thing you should know is that I, uh, even then, this isn't revisionist, I'm not a Tim Burton person. I, 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 uh, I know that a lot of people are fanatical about him and his movies. I'm not one of them. Um, not, even, not even The Nightmare Before Christmas. I do not care. Um, <laughs> But and also I was like a metal guy. So for me, my I was on the on the other side of the record store, you know, the long hair, slayer, all that stuff. Uh, but I love comic books. And I but I'm primarily this is also something that's interesting to add to the thing, is that I'm a Marvel guy. And when you're at that age, sides are chosen. You're either Marvel or you're DC. And I was mm-hmm. uh, vehemently and still very much so. As a matter of fact, right within arm's reach, completely unprepared. Let me show you my Stanley action autographed action figure I just got for my birthday. All that's, right, that's definitely Marvel diehard to have something like that. Right, <laughs> totally. You probably can see some nerdy shit here in, in my in my background. Here. <laughs> so anyway, so so that that that's important to understand that whereas you know I I never completely forgot about print. I just wasn't keeping up with it. You know, my, I was sound with my memories of the 82 to 86 period, right? But I'm not a Batman guy. I'm not a Tim Burton guy. So I really wasn't, I didn't really give a shit, to be honest, okay? Mm-hmm. But I had some friends, and living in a small town at a young age back then, going to the movies is still a big, big deal. It's a huge deal. It's a big event. And I wasn't going to miss out on that. And so we went to the movies to see it. And, and what a lot of people forget back then was like, Michael, Ke- like, who's Batman? Michael Keaton? Mr. Mom? Like, <laughs> like this Beetlejuice? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> right. And of course, love, love. Oh, oh yes, you yes, see, that's another thing. Is it Beetlejuice Tim Burton? Yeah. It is. Never seen it. Don't give a okay. shit. See? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and so, anyway, so, uh, you know, so. We went to the movie and it was so good. It, the movie was so fun that I actually credit the, that movie with kind of a little bit of my resurgence 
for my Prince fandom. It sort of it awakened it in a sense. Not fully. It wasn't until the next year with Graffiti Bridge and then my sister, who turned me on to Prince, moved down here with us. Because when we moved in 87, she was already old enough and out on her own. So she's back in 1990 with her Prince records. And Graffiti Bridge, and she's the one who turned me on to Graffiti Bridge. So I was already kind of up for it now, and it, and I and I do credit um, Batman. And again, you can you know I'm not a Tim Burton person, but to hire Prince to write a soundtrack for a resurgence for for Batman. And keep in mind, you know, Batman wasn't in the public consciousness in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. Back then, he was a relic from the 60s. So this was this was also kind of out of the blue now there's a i think there's a current batman movie in the theater right now but 1980 yeah. was it 88 89 88 right the 89, 89 right. yeah right okay so all of this felt like left field and i'll say this right now i i'm not a tim burton convert but having prince do that soundtrack was nothing short of a masterstroke yeah, I, I would I would agree. I think it definitely, and I've said this in previous episodes. It it, it kind of sparked again some Prince being back in the public consciousness. I mean, it hadn't been that long. Love, sexy was a bit of a commercial disappointment for himself and for Warner Brothers. It had one top ten hit and then it kind of fell off, uh, at least from the again from the uh, pop charts. And you know, you didn't just there wasn't a big talk about it. The Love, sexy tour helped. Uh, keep them on people's uh, minds and, and and their lips, but Batman was, I think, the the soundtrack, the movie, the album for Prince, and of course Tim Burton and you know DC Comics, the character of Batman, kind of sparked off this whole resurgence of uh, comic book character movies. And you yeah, know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, for what, sure. What's the project that did that? It really started. Its genesis was back in 1989 with this project. So imagine how big that project would have to be if this failed. That could have changed but, everything but for us. Sure, but it's important to, to know that, that that what we see now is very much in the vein of nerdy movies for nerdy people or children, or you know this whole world of cosplay. That was not, this was an art, this was almost an art house film. Like when when it came out in 1989, this was a snobby, nerdy, I mean, I mean, not a nerdy, but a snobby kind of, you know, art housey kind of director who wanted to do something. He wanted, you know, his whole thing back then was about reimagining things. And, and you know, with like, I think he wanted to do Sleepy Hollow and of course Willy Wonka. So to Tim Burton, the Batman, this isn't a purist. This isn't somebody that he's even gone on record to uh, to say. He, in fact, he had a, a pretty fun spar in the in the in the uh, with Kevin Smith a few years later about how he was like, you know, I, I don't read comic books. I never have, and and so I, I think that this, you know, that it's important to establish that. Second thing I'd like to establish is this: is that what you mentioned about love, sexy? It doesn't matter. I was in such a bubble. I did. I did not watch television. I didn't listen to the radio. I didn't have MTV then. I listened to the cassettes that I was able to afford, which were about maybe two or three of those a year. And that was going to Slayer or Anthrax or, you know, the heavy aggressive stuff that I needed at that age. The only the only input or influence I was getting besides the people around me at school was magazines like rip magazine and, you know, things like that. That was what was shaping my taste. So if Prince had a record out rip, if rip magazine wasn't covering it, I wouldn't even known about it. Mm -hmm. So, so, so when you put those two things together, so you understand that like when I went to the movie to see Batman, I didn't know Prince did the soundtrack. I, I knew literally nothing about it. It wasn't until while I'm watching the movie, I'm just kind of like, man, is that Prince? You know, like like during the, you know, but this whole thing about, you know, we're going to cast Jack Nicholson as the Joker. It's going to be so arty, man. That was that was the the motivation there. It's not like, like going to see Doctor Strange or, 
whatever you're seeing now, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with, and you mentioned a little bit about listening and hearing Prince's music in the movie and trust the song we're going to be talking about on this episode was had a prominent part in the film, which not all songs from the Batman soundtrack, you could say that about. So party man is another song that we, that I covered already. And that's a Joker song. So as I've said before on these episodes, every one of these songs is assigned, you know, somebody from the uh, from the film that that the perspective that the song is being sung from. This is the right. third Joker song now that we've gotten on the record. We we started it off with uh, Electric Chair. Now this that's track number two was the first Joker song. The next Joker song we got was Party Man, a song that was in the film prominently in the museum um, destruction scene, and and then Trust came out or was part of the scene where the Joker is um, luring all of the Gotham City residents to him with, um, you know, throwing money out to the crowd and everybody's going wild and grabbing it. And they're just completely oblivious to the fact that he's now all these balloons that he's letting loose on the city are filled with gas that are you know intended to to murder these uh, Gotham City residents. So there's pieces of the song later on that we'll talk about as we go through the lyrics that kind of match up with the scene in the film that Trust was used in. But before we get to that, I do want to just cover my bases a little bit and, and get some of the um, the song facts out there. So Trust was a song that was specifically written for the film. So not every song on Batman soundtrack was a uh, specific recording intended for the film. Some were just old not even that old, but some were songs that Prince had recorded and then he repurposed for the soundtrack. Some, like this one, were commissioned for the film uh, specifically. So this song was one of the last ones recorded for the album. It was recorded in the spring of 1989. This movie was coming out just a few months later in the summer. Um, and as I mentioned, you know, it's in that scene in Batman where the Joker lets loose the balloons so this is not the original song that was intended for that movie or for that scene specifically. First, that scene was filmed using Baby I'm a Star as kind of like a, uh, like a track to a temporary track, a temp track for the actors to kind of groove along to as music is supposed to be playing over the scene. They used Baby I'm a Star, kind of like how they used 1999 in the museum scene and then replaced it with Party Man. Then 200 Balloons, which is a B-side from Bat Dance now, but at the time it was intended to be a Batman soundtrack song, and it was supposed to be in the film, in this scene. 200 Balloons, it completely makes sense based off of what is happening in the scene. But I guess, as the story goes, Tim Burton did not feel the song fit. Uh, didn't Either didn't feel it fit or didn't think it was a strong enough song or maybe thought it sounded too similar to... Baby I'm a Star, or whatever the situation was, he asked Prince to come back with a different track, and this is where Trust came to play, and this is how it became uh, a part of the movie and a part of the soundtrack. Let me ask yeah. you questions for a second, because I, I was going to insert 200 Balloons, but was going to give you the chance to do it first there. So that I know, and I knew that, and of course, obviously that makes sense, but what I don't know uh, is two things. So when he wrote trust specifically for the movie is is that the first time he's ever done that i know that i'll do anything when, when did i'll do anything take take place was that before that, that or after? was in the early 90s so this would have been after. Okay, so was after so this is this is also important so this is the first time he's ever like sitting there like been been sent a scene that he's writing to prince is a leader he's not a collaborator you know i mean uh, in terms of of that he's not gonna you know, that's why he didn't join the whole We Are the World thing. He'll write you a song and send it to you kind of thing. So I think that's interesting. Number two is, did he write 200 Balloons for this scene as well? Because, I mean, he could have just had a song sitting around called 200 Balloons. That would be a weird coincidence, right? It would be a weird coincidence. I haven't done, I haven't done my research on 200 Balloons yet because I haven't done that episode. But, boy, if that if that wasn't commissioned for the film with that scene in mind... I would be shocked because that would be really coincidental. Yeah, really interesting to me for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So Mike, that's my guess. And I guess when I get around to uh, that song as part of the, the Batman B sides, I'll be able to uncover that. I'm hoping. Um, okay. So 
again, Trust is an upbeat song. It's it's it wasn't a single officially. It, I guess there was a promo version of it released in Hong Kong only, and I think it had. Uh, I don't know if it was a record company or whoever had intentions of potentially releasing it as a single because there were a bunch of remixes by Shep Pettibone that were created and made for what I would have to assume would be like a 12 inch release for trust. Those songs remain unreleased. And according to principle, there's several Shep Pettibone remixes out there. Not only that, there's like a, a longer version again, probably a 12 inch version as 12 inch versions tend to be a little bit longer than the album versions from Prince songs. And um, that also remains unreleased. I don't know. Have you heard any of those before, Roy? I have um, a couple. Uh, one, if I were not dealing with this toddler over here, but I, uh, at one time I had some of the release stuff, some of the release Batman stuff that you've seen, some of more of the 12 inch stuff that was primarily like Party Man. Uh, the arms of Orion. I, I should say this very quickly. I want people to know out there that I actually had a promo single of arms of Orion that I ended up selling in 2006 that helped finance my move to New York city. Oh, Just wow. to tell you the demand. And I, and now there's no telling what, it, uh, what it's worth, but um, you know, I've been a tape trader for a very, very long time. Uh, and I've been a DJ since 1998, so that would have been definitely like on my radar. And I know that at one time there was a white label uh, that had like four songs. I never actually owned it, but it had four songs on it. Trust was one of them. Um, of course, Party Man, like I said. Uh, and this was some of the stuff that that somebody had to have done much later. Like, like, I don't, like, I don't, because, like, what I didn't hear it until, like, I would say 97, 98, and these weren't 10-year-old, you know, bootlegs. I, I felt like it was something that, that, that came later, you know, that, that either it got out somehow and somebody added to it or whatever, but that's, that, that's what I've heard. I mean, that, that's the actual music that I've heard. Okay. Yeah, I mean, someday, hopefully, we'll get official releases of all these Remixes, well, just like the, we the, did. Let me take a little bit about it. The, the trust one that I heard was very Spanish. Like, I mean, it, it was very different. I mean, it's already kind of upbeat. It's kind of got that, you know, dum ba dum ba dum ba dum dum ba dum dum This is like maracas and, and that kind of deal. It, it's lots of, uh, it, I mean, the, the pace of it, it's still in 4-5 time signature. Uh, but there's a lot of little, tiny little solos here and there. Uh, that I think that that had to have come from him. I don't think that's just some DJ software trickery that came later. There is a version like that, but the one that stuck out to me was this very Spanish-style version of Trust. Hmm. Interesting. Well, only those who have heard the Shep Pettibone remixes can confirm whether or not that's what you heard, <laughs> because I certainly Yeah, can. right, sure. All right, um, so let's move on to the song then. Okay, so... The song actually starts with, I mean, there's a, a little bit of an intro. Uh, you hear somebody say WXYZ. Hey, it's the man. Yeah, let's see what's going on, which whatever. It's just kind of a fun little intro as the songs segue into each other on the track listing of the, of the album. But the actual first lyrics we get, and this isn't the first time and won't be the last, but every once in a while, Prince likes to start a song with the chorus. This is a song where he does that. So the first words we hear from trust are the chorus and the goes trust who do ya trust what makes you more real love or trust I put this question to you cause I want you to be with me trust who do you trust what makes you a real love or trust I put this question to you cause I want you to be with me and that's the chorus and we'll hear that chorus a few times throughout the song with that being the chorus, right, you know, right off the bat, you get the the title of the song and you get a sense for what the song, I guess, is going to be about a little bit. Um, as this is supposed to be a Joker song, you kind of forget that because this chorus makes it sound like it's a song that's going to be about, you know, a trusting relationship between two people. And uh, whether or not that and the person singing it, you know, I get the impression a little bit that it's coming from the perspective of somebody who's looking for this in their relationship they value it they value trust a lot and it's something that they need to 
they need to know that they can trust the person that they're going to be with and want to be with. Uh, and if they can't, then it's probably not going to work and it probably wasn't meant to be. I put this question to you. So who do you trust? What makes you a real lover? It's almost like a little bit of a inquisition that that uh, is, uh, have putting on here, like he's interview for a potential um, soulmate, <laughs> you know. Yeah, right. uh, so like, what are your thoughts on, on the chorus, Roy? And I guess maybe if you can also expand on after you give me your thoughts on the chorus, like how does this fit in your mind? as a Joker song so far? Well, I would say this. I would say that the whole song is a chorus. This just happens to be the only one that's repeated because it sets up the structure right there. Because when you go, trust, who do you trust? What makes you a real love of trust? The whole, he does the whole song like that. You know, the next one, of course, is love. You know, I'll, I'll let you do the, you know, I don't want to get ahead of myself with the lyrics, but the whole yeah. song is that structure. Right. It is. You're right. Just, yep. Again, like the one that, that he repeats. Um, I think two things. I think that the genius for me of Prince is there's always a dialogue. If it's an instrumental or in lyrics, he's the only person that I've ever I've ever heard where he can make it instrumental where he's not saying one dirty word sound like sex. How do you do that? How do you actually make this instrument say? And plant actual thought. It can make you feel something, but a specific thought, that's something else. Okay. Mm-hmm. So there's that. The second half is this is a lot of people think that all they have to do to get a point across or something that, that they're feeling that they want to convey or express is all they have to do is just say those lyrics. And then the music is secondary. And he is a master, an absolute master of being able to have a conversation with the lyrics and the music. The music, like I said before, he can make an instrumental that sounds like sex. He also can, can you know, it, it takes more than just saying, I want to write a song about trust and trust is important to me, like as you stated. Somehow, how he, it's, it's, it's almost, it's, it's just as important as how he says it. And how he says it is so direct the song isn't vague about trust. It doesn't make a, a, a abstract commentary that, the, about trust. It is a direct. He's he's even saying I, I, he's talking to you. I put this question to you because this is a challenge. This is what, depending on your answer, <laughs> this is how how far we're going to go right here. Mm-hmm. But here's what I mean about about the music. Listen to to it. It's a dialogue. It's a call and response. The, the, the music itself is a conversation. Okay. The call is the riff. The answer is yeah. Yeah. There's it starts with a dialogue. And then he gets into the actual lyrics and he, he not only continues that dialogue, he combines it. So the 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 strength of and the brilliance of a song like this is the lyrics are complementing what the music is doing and vice versa. So, uh, and, and I think that in terms of how it works with, with uh, like, I guess the Joker song is that, you know, the Joker is somebody who is initially somebody that you probably shouldn't trust, but is pretty damn charming, especially in the form of Jack Nicholson, you know? So uh, one thing I, I'll, I'll add to it, and I've always liked about Prince, or I have found kindred about Prince, is that he's can be polarizing in his personal life in the same way that I am. And what and the reason why that is is because I don't know how to 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 skirt around things. I I I, I wonder how if I feel about something, I I don't I don't know how to not to bury that or to have what they they call cooth. I'm the very first person that's going to get right in your face and say, who do you trust? Because, you know, are you a real lover? I put this to you. I mean, very confrontational in that regard. If I'm passionate about it, I'm also, you know, I'll get, you know, I like to think I'm a really nice guy, but so I, I, I find a kindredness in his approach here. And I think that's why this song also spoke to me. Because you see that in a lot. There's there's no abstract to it. There's no, you know, uh, 
you know, skipping around a topic. It's a it's a it's a head on confrontation, and I appreciate that. Yeah, it absolutely that, is. That's kind of what the Joker would do, but but that's kind of opposite of what the Joker would do because the Joker would want to create all these riddles uh, mm-hmm. around. So so that that's kind of an odd contrast. Yeah, yeah, I found that as I was going through the lyrics um, for the show, like there were times where I could see this being a Joker song, like it made sense to me. I could see these kind of lyrics being repurposed to as the Joker trying to convince somebody to do something for him or, you know, trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes. The chorus, um, you know, is maybe less so for me, but it's it's all part of the greater song. And, you know, if you just take it out of context, sure, it doesn't maybe make a lot of sense as a Joker like the Joker talking about what makes you a real lover. Okay. I mean, yes, he's is a human being in in the film, so he probably desires that kind of a relationship too, I guess, deep down, but that's not really his focus at least in the uh, you know, 2-hour runtime that we get in the movie. Sure, but 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 if you also think about what came later, like you could read these lyrics right here and it's almost like a direct open letter to Warner Brothers, his record label at the time. You know what I mean? Because I mean, yeah. he's like he was already had that on his mind. Warner Brothers, of course, were who who financed and produced the film, and so here he's writing out a song that he where I think he's he's not even thinking about the Joker, and he's saying stuff like you know, of course, I, I want to let you say the lyrics, but the next line uh, really speaks to the his battle with Warner Brothers, especially what we know what came later. Yeah, let's get into it. All right, so the the next grouping of lyrics we'll call it the first verse Love, you cannot imagine how much I wanna you. So Love, you cannot imagine how much I want to give to you. Hot, I get so excited just thinking about all we could do. Dig it now. Another world awaits us. Another power to see. Close? Don't worry about nobody else. From now on, you'll be here with me. So there's quite a few lines here to talk through. And and they each kind of have like little mini topics. One is love. Next one is hot. In the final world, one is close. Um, and in between there, he talks about another world and another power, which we can probably interpret to be, you know, heaven um, and God. Talking about another world, heaven, another power, probably God. But that's, again, my interpretation. So let's just back up. Love, you cannot imagine how much I want to give to you. So this kind of, again, fits well with the chorus talking about you know, trust, what makes you a real lover, love, you cannot imagine how much I want to give to you. But that's just, again, surface, looking at it from a very literal sense. And we all, you know, doing however many hundred plus episodes of this podcast, I know that not every Prince song has, I mean, it has its literal meaning and it has potentially alternate meanings depending on what was going on in his life at the time, where his focuses were coming on the heels of Love Sexy. And also, as you alluded to, his um, future fights with Warner Brothers, they can have, you can see both sides. Like one, there's going to be a little bit of spirituality ducked into this song that you weren't necessarily expecting out of a song being sung by the Joker. So I can easily touch on that. I see that because I'm coming from Love Sexy. Yeah, for sure. And bleeding from Love Sexy to Batman, all of this stuff is very evident to me. But if I'm just buying Batman, I'm a new Prince fan, I'm just buying Batman. Never heard Love Sexy. I have no idea about the whole love is God, God is love context and, and the lyrics around that and his whole ideas around that. Philosophies, I guess. Uh, I wouldn't pick up on a lot of these things being potential alternate meanings. Uh, so like hot, I get so excited just thinking about all we can do. This is, again, could be taken literally as being, you know, sexual excitement, but maybe something else, maybe being excited about his future with uh, with God. Maybe he's talking about his future with his uh, you know his next project or what he's going to be doing 
in the future of his career. Who knows? Um, and another world awaits us, another power to see. Again, I think I have definitely written down that my interpretation, my alternate interpretation is God in heaven for these for these two lines is what he's talking about. But it's not obvious, especially if you weren't, again, coming from Love Sexy like I did. So, Roy, what what do you um, want to point out here with these with these lines? Well, I'll say this one thing. OK, I, I've had a lot of conversations uh, with Ingrid uh, over the last few years. Uh, a lot of them are public uh, that I've you know, that we have we have published some some also private. Uh, and I, I will tell you this is that. I believe that the first line or the first thing, the whole like love you can't imagine, how much I want to give it to you, hot, I get so excited to see what all we could do, dig it now. I think that that, and I've heard this before, I, and only he could confirm it or maybe she could confirm it, but I think that line there is actually about Susanna. Um, and I think it's an old lyric that he had in a, in a notebook. And I've, I've speculated on it. I don't like speculation. But only, like I said, he or maybe... Perhaps he, if he ever shared that with Susanna, I don't believe that's a new lyric. I, and and that and like I've had to make up my mind about that, and and my mind is made up about that. Okay. Uh, and here's here's a couple things. So let's look at it from a literal sense. Let's look at it why he chose to make that note public now. How it applies to the song. So what are he's talking about, Susanna? Or he's talking about Ingrid and what they were going through at that time, okay? Or he's talking about the record label. He sure as hell ain't talking about the Joker or this movie or whatever. This is something he's inserting here. You cannot imagine that's 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 unrequited. That's somebody that, that's that's wanting somebody, but that, that's convincing somebody of something, okay? And how much I want to give give to you. That's also kind of like to the label like you know if you know you guys just rejected my you know triple record and the all these other ideas i've got so much like like if you were to get on board you understand what we could be doing here together okay hot i get so excited just thinking about all we could do that's susanna that's ingrid that's the label all combined right another kindred thing that i have always have found with him with myself if you read uh, um, what's 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 homeboy's name? Uh, he has the, the guy that wrote the beautiful ones book, Pipe and Bring. Is that how you say his last name? Is I it Dan so, yeah. Pipe and Bring? Right. Yeah. He he said something that made me, that, that you said when you were reading the lyrics that made me think of something in that book, where he talks about when he first met Prince and went to his house, and then Prince was walking him to the elevator and walking him and going to drive him back to his hotel, where suddenly. Prince is like literally has a literal spring in his step. Okay, uh, that all the all the worlds inside of worlds that are born in Prince Land all come from something that happens very quickly. He will land on something, and then suddenly his entire universe and direction. And 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 we've seen this be also maddening because by the time he th that has been filtered through. The record industry process, he no longer cares or is excited about it and sometimes even regretful of it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there's a million examples we can give like that. You know, the Black Album and Camille and God knows whatever. So I I do that a lot. Whenever I land on something, it, it could be, you know, in five minutes, my entire life has changed. All my motivations, all my energy is going to go into this one thing. And I will try to see it through, and then usually I'm on to something else. So this is kind of a, of a neat self-acknowledgement about that, because typically people that do that don't have the self-awareness. I don't know that I'm doing it. I don't think that he knew he was doing it. And so here, yeah. it, it's, it's a multi-faceted, multi-dimensional act of expression. Now, then when you say another world awaits us, another power to see, and in close, don't know, don't worry about nobody else. From now on, you'll be here with me. That's just kind of getting getting the train back on the tracks. Mm -hmm. You know, when it's another world awaits us, sure, 
again, I think when he says another world awaits us, I know he's obviously spiritual in God, but I think that for him, I think that what he means is there's something better. There's something better than what we're doing here. He, and he's still convincing. He's still creating an argument here. You know, you have like, come on now, you know, trust me. We have, we, we have so much to do. I get so excited. Can't you see what's, what's possible? You know, yeah, yeah. and if you're a, and if you're afraid, let me also let me also uh, quell those fears. OK, because love. So trust, love, sex, hot can, can be transferred to sex, love, mm -hmm. hot sex. That's love, sexy. OK, <laughs> that's what's on his mind. And then close is an act of trust yeah so how he lines all that together is is absolutely brilliant it's not a coincidence it's not you know the only thing that i i, I do believe is is that line that first one uh about the love how, how, much, how much i want to give it to you i believe that that is from a notebook from a, a previous poem or note or love letter he had for susanna back back before this oh yeah it's certainly possible anything's possible right right um okay so like with these lyrics the other thing that i want to do and thank you for tying those all together because it's it's not easy to get on prince's level when we're <laughs> dissecting lyrics um and and it takes a little bit of help to get on his level sometimes so thank you for tying that together sure. for us the thing I also try to do again, because this is supposed to be sung from the perspective of the Joker. I'm like, okay, so how can these lyrics potentially work uh, in the context of the film or as being sung by the Joker? And really all I came up with is, you know, as you mentioned, he, he's trying to persuade, he's trying to influence, he's trying to get galvanize people around him to get excited about the same things he's excited about. And the Joker right. tries to do that in the film. Um, for nefarious purposes, for for his own selfish and evil purposes, but he still tries to do it uh, and try to get people to, you know, whether or not he's using, um, you know, threat of, threats of violence, acts of violence, or just being a charming Joker, he tries to do that a little bit. And the last line, from now on you'll be here with me, can come across as a little bit of a sinister line if you think of it from that standpoint, because then you're kind of thinking sure. of the Joker now being the overlord of Gotham City and all of the residents are basically prisoners. And they're all here with him doing his bidding, whether they want to or not, because they've lost that uh, ability to make those choices for themselves, because now somebody is in charge that doesn't have their best interest in mind. So that's where I kind of also took these lyrics when I was thinking of it. How could this be and how could this fit the film and the narrative as being sung by the Joker? So just thought I would bring that up. Sure. Let, let me let me let me uh, come behind that with something. OK, you, it's also important for historical perspective to understand that there is no way in hell he would have agreed to do this in 1984 or 85 or 86, even when he was on top of the world. OK, so. This is a humbling thing in a sense of also that's why you also kind of have to, at least from my perspective, you have to kind of uh, abandon the idea that he went into this with a good attitude, that he was familiar with the Joker or he became familiar with the Joker so that like he could write the best possible song for this film. This that would be not one middle finger. That would be two middle fingers. Okay. I got like you and I, if we got hired to score or write a song, commission to write a song. We would do what anybody else would do. We would watch the footage. We would learn all we could about its subjects. We would try to understand them and write from their perspective. I don't think he could give two shits, let alone three. All right. So, so that, that, that would, for me, I, I have to abandon that. Okay, all right. Just the fact that he's even involved with this 
And if anything else, it's so that he could make some type of statement because Prince, because again, you know, as, as critically it was, as it was uh, successful, Son of the Times didn't move a lot of units. It became something later. Love Sexy, certainly by comparison. So he, he's on this downhill slide. The meetings are different. The promotion is different. Just the fact that they even had the nerve to ask him to write for somebody else, and in fact, he agreed to it, just shows you how much his hand not only wasn't strengthened, it was weakened. And it's one of the only times where he also starts to kind of doubt himself a little bit, almost to the point where he's almost asking if he even trusts himself, trusts his own abilities, you know? And so mm-hmm. I think it's it's important from a historical perspective for people to, to see that because because they, they should be asking themselves if they don't know the story like you and I know the story of why why did he do this? Why was he doing this? And again, like I said, if Warner Brothers wasn't involved and this was just something that he where he could get another, you know, check mark off of the albums that he or, or projects that he owed his label to get to freedom, there's no chance of it ever actually happening. So he didn't go in there with some great attitude wanting to write the right song for the Joker. Uh, again, it, it, that, that would be that would be quite the stretch. Yeah, he may not have done that, but I will say, and whether or not he he did it or not, what he said publicly is he did have respect for the process, had respect for Tim Burton, and certainly wanted to serve the project in a way that, because he he was basically like, this isn't really my thing. Like, Tim Burton is the guy that's on the hot seat here. This is his movie. I'm just here to help him create something that's going to work. And so, like, he could have, when they asked him, when he basically said 200 Balloons isn't working for me, and he had a new song, he could have done the double middle finger thing and said, no, it's 200 Balloons or nothing. And he didn't. Right. He came back and like, which, okay. Which I'm very surprised he did not. Right. Yeah. And so because I think at this point, to your to your point, I think he was thinking like, I kind of need to do this. It's something I need to do from a financial perspective. I agreed to it. It's in in my best interest to create something that's going to be successful because it's tied to this major film that's coming out in the summer of 1989 right. with all these big name actors, and it's going to be a big deal. And if I'm attached to this big deal and my songs suck <laughs> or it's they're not they're not perceived well or it looks like I've just got this huge ego and I'm just creating basically nothing that's can be even related to the project at all. It's going to look unfavorably on him. And I don't think he wanted that either. He, he I think he wanted this to succeed for whatever reasons. Well, that I think also, be. too. I think also to get to, you know, from a personal standpoint, he didn't. He had just turned thirty, you know, and that, that that's a heavy thing for for young younger people, I, you know, like, and he was on top of the world at twenty six, and and so you know that, that's something else. Like I said, there's kind of a woundedness here. He's thirty, you know, the decade is ending. That's that's attached to to his, you know his image and and and, and everything else. Uh, I, I feel like that, that, that plays a lot into this too. You know, you know, like I said, like, you know, he wasn't moving enough records. I'm 30 now, the decades ending. I don't think that this happens at any other point. I don't think this would have happened in 81 or even 91. I think it's, it's very, very specific to that time. And now here's a chance to, to kind of get, he, you know what I mean? For, For all he says, bullshit he misses the parties and misses the spotlight and all that stuff and now he's going to get to be part of that conversation again you know yeah yeah he he became he was a he had his he had a big he had a number one hit off the soundtrack so from a success standpoint like if you're measuring success based off of units sold and uh airplay and placement on the pop charts then this was a success is it ever yeah. somebody's favorite Prince album? Maybe, but for the most part, I think it it's falls somewhere and in the middle for a lot of people. I mean, I'm not speaking for everyone, so don't. If you if this is your favorite Prince album, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> I love the album. I think the album is great, but it's not my favorite album of Prince's. 
So I'll just say that. And the last thing I want to say on the topic is he could have also been playing the long game, right? I mean, he, I imagine in the way you like, I, I dig into a little bit of like vault stuff that he was working on at the time and post love sexy, he was supposed to be recording um, songs he, or he was recording songs for another album that was going to be called Raven to the Joy Fantastic, which didn't end up getting released until 10 years later with an entirely different track listing. But he also was creating songs for this this spiritual driven movie that he was writing and soundtrack for this movie that he was writing called Graffiti Bridge. And I don't know if Graffiti Bridge gets well, I mean, it mostly made with his own money, I imagine. But from a distribution standpoint, to be a, a feature film released in, uh, you know, in theaters as opposed to like his next movie, which was like Three Chains of Gold, which was just direct to the video. Um, I don't know if that gets the attention it gets in 1990 without the success of Batman either. So you might have been playing the long game. Like, okay, I I do this so I can do that later. And that could have been part of his decision making. You know, well. I, I mean, I mean, that, that, that's interesting. I mean, I mean, I think he was always, you know, uh, shooting to always, you know, somehow get back on top. Whereas, you know, some people just kind of, you know, enjoy their independence and, and can still, you know, make music. And, and I know a lot of a lot of bands that were on major labels that you couldn't offer them enough money to go back to a major label. You know, they, they, they like the slower pace, the, the quieter thing. That, that wasn't him. He definitely wanted to get back on top. So that's interesting for sure. Yeah, just the theory, of course. All right, so then moving on, we get the course again. Trust. Who do you trust? What makes you a real love or trust? I put this question to you because I want you to be with me. And then we move on to what I'm going to call the second verse. Money, how much will make you happy? You can have it all if it'll suit you right. But nothing, I said nothing can take the place of you and me kicking it tight, tight. Come, it's easy. Just let yourself go. Don't put up a fight. Sex, it's not that type of party. Girl, we're getting higher tonight. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to let you start with verse two. And I'll come in after you with my thoughts. So, like, there's a couple things here. Now we're talking money. We got okay. sex again. I mean, if we're hot and in the first verse, we kind of both agreed that that is a another word or euphemism for for sex. And then here he's saying sex directly. But it, these these lyrics are interesting because I think they can fit the film a little bit better even than the first verse does. Like if he was again commissioned to write this song to replace Twitter Balloons, he had the film in mind, so he knew exactly what scene that this was going to be written for. So I maybe some of these lyrics might inform, you know, his or might have been informed by the the film a bit more than maybe earlier in the song. But it's my opinion. I'm going to let you jump in, Roy, and what you're thinking about the second verse. Well, again, I stay on topic of what I said before. Again, you know, this is projected again, not for, for in my mind for the film. This is what was going on in his personal life with his love interest and his professional life uh, with the label, okay? Um, and then, of course, you know, it, it always goes back, again, this is still love sexy. Money, come, that's, you know, it's easy. That's, you know, that's obviously a euphemism uh, for sex. And then, like you said, he comes right out and says sex. One of my favorite B-sides from the parade era is a song called Love or Money. That is a that is a constant throughout his entire, if there's one. Oh, you mean harder dollar sign? So what else? Yeah, I said you mean heart or dollar yeah, sign. Heart dollar sign, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, sorry. If there's anything that that one current that is consistent from for you all the way to I I don't even remember what the last what what was the last uh, Prince record something uh, hit and run uh, whatever. Okay, there's always that. Okay, so again, money. How much will make you happy? Okay, so that 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 to me is 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 
having an attitude about somebody that doesn't seem to be able to get enough. That's a label or some gold digger type. All right. You can have it all if it'll suit you right. Like, you know, I, I don't you know, is it love or is it money? That, 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 that he's saying that right there. And he says, nothing, I said nothing can take the place. Like, if you value money, have it all. That's great. But what I value is, and also I want to convince you of, is that nothing has more value than what you and I could have together on a personal level. All right? Number two, and like, if, if all you care about is money, then I will make you all the money in the world so that I can be happy being able to be creative. And that, that would be conversation with a label. Next. Again, come. It's easy. Just let yourself go. Don't put up a fight. You know, I mean, we could get a little explicit here, but that, what, you know, causes a lot of, you know, women not to be able to orgasm is, is simply trust. You know, it's not like, you know, a, a man on site that can look at something that excites him and be able to get there. A woman uh, requires, you know, a, a, for the most part, a bond. Trust, the actual name of the song, you know? Um, you just let yourself go and don't put up a fight. That means just like, you know, trust me and, and you'll get there. And he comes right out and says sex. It's not that type of party. He's just trying to say yes. Love sexy. He's got the word sex in it. But what we're trying to do is transcend to something better, something bigger, something higher. You could say spiritually higher. But again, I, I think that the whole conversation is, is, is it love or is it money? That's what that, that, that's what all that says to me. And it depends on which one you choose, whether is he's going to trust you. Because if it's money, you don't have my trust. But why don't we ignore money? Why don't you trust me enough to ignore money or to get past money so that we can have it all? That's what that says to me. So I do appreciate you coming to the lyrics from your angle because that's, um, I think, a different angle than I am certainly interpreting the lyrics, and I love it. And that's what I love about doing the show is your kind of opening my eyes to a different way of looking at these lyrics the line with you know text about come it's easy just let yourself go don't put up a fight yes that that can obviously be interpreted as an orgasm and then when he follows that up with sex it's not that type of party that seems to be confusing or sending mixed messages if you're not thinking of it from again the love sexy perspective that you that you cited already where love and sex are intertwined and then if you say that god is love then it's all together like it's all like a mishmash of 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 something bigger and better and and more uh like transcendent as you mentioned and yeah. that's why he can say that he can say sex is not that type of party right after a line where he's talking about he wants to make you come so it's just right. brilliant yeah. another you know brilliant prince line and then way to kind of get around say something dirty without it really even being dirty if you look at it from a different angle uh yeah so the only thing i was going to mention that you maybe just because i'm coming at the song from the angle of the film is how this this beginning section at least with the money how much will make you happy it will suit you right uh this is being sung and performed in a scene in the film where joker and his minions are throwing money at the people which which speaks to Gotham's greed, as the the quote from the film from uh, Robert Wall. Take the pictures. Gotham's greed. It's coming up later in the song, and it comes up shortly after, you know, this verse. And this is what it, where the tie-in to me is easy to make because uh, Joker is able to get one over on the 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 residents of Gotham City because of the greed because of money being so much of a focus of what they're after uh and if and if you basically remove you know financial gain from your from your perspective and you're looking at the things that prince wants you to look at in the song like love um you know spiritual spirituality coming off of love sexy 
money shouldn't be important. You know, if somebody throws money at you, you're not paying attention. You're seeing the balloons flying around you and you're realizing that he's trying to murder you right now and you get the hell out of there. But if you've got your yeah, head yeah. down, grabbing money off of the literally grabbing money off the road and fighting people for it, you're not going to to see the danger ahead of you or that's right in front of you. So that's just the only connection I wanted to make that's maybe, you know, different is the the film at this point. Well, okay. Well, I think also, yeah. you know, that, that that when you think about, you know, is it love or money? Okay. What does it say on the back of the dollar bill? It says in God, God we, trust. we trust. So there's a, there's a, a direct correlation there between the spirituality of God, the meaning of it and, and trust with money. You know, do you trust somebody that only wants you for your money? And then on the back of it, it says, in God we trust. And that should really segue into the, these, these next lyrics here. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, okay, so then we get the chorus again. I won't repeat that. Uh, he says a couple other things here. Trust, hot and close, digging now. It feels good. But I think what I want to focus on is some different lyrics that he's saying towards the end of the song he says and i think it's um not this not these lines i'll say these lines but it's the next one's after that something like oh my lord when i'm on i feel good when i'm on i feel good these lyrics aren't actually printed in the cd for batman because yeah, i looked at them yeah those aren't lyrics those are just inflections it's kind of like where the song burning down the house comes from you know it was just a jam that you know that chris france said because he had just seen sly and the family Stone the night before while he was jamming with the talking heads those aren't actual lyrics there's just just something that happened while he was recording yeah which explains why they're not printed which but also what that leads to is people hearing different things so i hear when i'm on i feel good i don't think it matters if he says when i'm on it feels good or when i'm on i feel good i hear right when i'm on i feel good uh then we get to the who do you trust if you can't trust god who can you trust who can you and this is this is prince like in the lyrics printed in batman at the beginning of every song, I'll say, as sung by the Joker or sung by Bruce Wayne. This says Prince. So now he's kind of removed the whole Batman thing from, you know, what these lyrics are saying. Who do you trust if you can't trust God? Who can you trust? Who can you? This is Prince now talking to us, talking to the listeners. And this just it just strengthens, I guess, um, basically what we've kind of come to the conclusion of what this song is mostly about but then adding on the love sexy piece to it the, the where he was at in his life at this time that would bleed into graffiti bridge the very next year like he had to in, inject his own agenda a little bit uh, even though this is again uh, a work for hire write these mu- this music for these for these scenes in this film and it needs to be batman focused and needs to have a little bit of a tie back concept sure i could do that but I'm also going to still be me right? and include these lyrics in here that speak to trust. So I'm not completely, you know, going off the rails with what the concept of the song is, but I'm going to make it about God too. And here, this is how I'm doing it. Again, like I said, the words God and the words trust are printed on money. So the song is about money. So I don't think they told him to write a song called trust. I think that they told him to write a song about money or about this, this scene, of course, like you mentioned, you know, of course, with with, mm-hmm. with the balloons and and but the agenda is they're doing this to get money. Right. OK, this is breaking apart the thing. This is breaking apart the in God we trust. That's what this is. So people think that, you know, that the, the money is the answer. And what he's, he's been saying for the entire song is money is not the answer. To them, money is God, and God we trust, 
right? Well, if you can't trust God, meaning I don't think that's literal. I think that what it means is, is it, is it people think that, that money is the answer. Well, if, if it's not the answer, then what is, if you can't trust that being the answer, then who can you trust? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think we try to get across is, is the agenda he's been stating this, this entire time is to abandon that. You know, it's, you know, it's in God that I trust, not money. You know, it, you know, it's, it's love, not money. God is love. Mm-hmm. He said that many, many times. Love sexy is God is love. So I, I think that that's what he's doing. He's breaking apart the old trope of in God we trust. Well, why is this on our money? You know, <laughs> that's what I, that that for me is pretty fucking heavy. I, I know. I love it. I love it. And I think that that's pretty spot on. I mean, he makes it again. It's it's soundtracked over a scene that highlights human human nature as being can be greedy. I mean, we we look out for self. Uh, we see money flying in the air. We're going to go for it. whatever, you know, replace money with anything that of that is a value that maybe it doesn't uh, you know, has some sort of monetary value. It doesn't have to be literal money, but it could be anything that, you know, uh, gives the percep- off the perception of wealth, you know, material things, something along those lines. When Prince has always sure. been and not just 1989, not even just 1988 has been really focused on putting God and, and love ahead of material things, ahead of money and material items. And the song just strengthens that. It's a way for him to strengthen that and still, you know, still turn him in his homework at the end of the day and still, you know, able to understand the assignment and get in, get an A on his assignment from Tim Burton. <laughs> so that's how I like yeah. to look at it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So uh, before we wrap, I wanted to plug a couple of things uh, uh, very quickly. Like I said before, if you got, I know it's already been since last September, but I have a five-part five-part series uh, on Welcome to America that that literally documents almost every single day or major event um, that happened pre- pretty much during a two-year span that that. Uh, that basically culminates with the 21 nights at the forum for which actually technically it's only 15 for which I was at every single one of. And part one came out on time. Part two didn't come out until like a few weeks ago. And I'm really hoping to have part three out and part three. I hope you listen to all of them, but part three will really be the one part three. You're going to learn things that, that, that again, I'm not, I'm not some insider guy who's trying to convince you that I, you know, know stuff that more than anybody else. That's not the case. It's just I just happen to be present for something that landed in in Prince lore that for reasons that you'll see when you hear it has never been told. And I've decided to tell it and I've tried to convince others that were there to also tell it what has also been a battle and also a reason for the delay. All of which, you'll, and, and the point is, is that whatever you do, do not miss episode three of Welcome to America on my Prince show, Prince the Encore, which you, it's available exclusively on iHeartRadio the first day, and then on all other platforms and podcast platforms uh, the next day, uh, wherever else you get your podcast, Google Play Store, Apple, Spotify, Pandora, uh, and all those good, good, good things. Um, and uh, let's see here. I'm under DJ Tricky Kid under in on Instagram. I'm under Tricky Kid the number two on Twitter. And uh, again, check out everything I'm involved with at my website at tricky-kid.com. I have a a network on iHeartRadio called the Tricky Kid Radio Network, where we have the main show, which is called Tricky Kid Radio. Again, Prince the Encore. I have a hip-hop show called In the Mix. Uh, we just had Cool Keith on. Uh, I have a, uh, let's see here. We just launched a show uh, about Van Halen. And there's already nine episodes called Sinner Swing. We have a show all about professional wrestling called This Is Wrestling. And uh, for those in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I hope you'll come see me on Saturday, May the 14th, as your boy is sitting ringside 
for TSW's Texas Style Wrestling's May Day on May the 14th. Uh, lots of great action there. 90 Day Fiance's pa Paolo Mayfield uh, versus Renee Michelle is going to be a great night of wrestling action. Uh, and last but not least, uh, check out Tricky Kid TV on YouTube. Oh, right. and one more. Thursdays and Sunday nights. Twitch people, go to twitch.tv slash DJ Tricky Kid. We do all kinds of fun stuff outside of gaming. We talk about prints. I had Cool Keith on last week. We did it live. It's a great thing. If you're a fan of the show and you hear the edited version later on this, you actually can not only be a part of the action live, like what Jason and I are doing right now, but for being a subscriber to my Twitch channel allows you to actually engage with our celebrity guests firsthand where you can talk to them directly and, at, and ask, ask them questions and all kinds of a lot, a lot of fun stuff. So, again, that's twitch.tv slash DJ Tricky Kid. Okay. Excellent. Thank you, Roy, for sharing all that information. I'll try to put as much of that as in show notes as I can. And um, this has been the Presser Wine Prince Lyrics Podcast. I've been your host, Jason Brenninger. You can follow the show on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. I'm all over the place. So just find the show by Googling it if that's what you want to do. And until next time, thank you very much and goodbye. Goodbye.